You are listening to the Conquering Everest podcast. This is episode 35. Welcome to the Conquering Evers Podcast. My name is Brian Talor, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. Now, in today's episode, I have a conversation with Tanya Danielle. Tanya is an emotional eating coach, but she hasn't always been a coach. First, she was an emotional eater. She struggled for years with binge eating. And despite trying all the, the different diet fads and counting calories and getting into the gym... Food was a comfort. Food became an obsession, an unhealthy obsession that would sabotage all of her attempts to get herself into a better state of health. This is Tanya's story. Welcome, Tanya, to the Conquering Everest podcast. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah, glad uh, glad to have you on, and I'm glad our paths crossed because you've got a pretty good uh, little story that I, I think is a valuable one to share with everyone. So we'll get into all that goodness here in just a moment. But um, as we get started, if you don't mind, just maybe take a few moments and introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So pardon me, sorry, my dog just walked in. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, absolutely. So my name is Tanya Danielle. I am an emotional eating therapist and I help people who emotionally eat and who binge eat. And what, uh, so, and I know your, your story's got a little more to it than just um, just eating, but let's let's start with, uh, how did you get into this line of work? So I I got into this line of work through my own challenges. Um, I myself had, I really don't like labels, but I had binge eating disorder. So I've always struggled with food all my life. I, you know, as many people can, you know, resonate with this. I'd always been on a diet right from, from being a young child, actually. You know, dieting with my mom, I was always very body conscious, always never happy with my body. And I always turned to food, always, always turn to food. You know, some people turn against it, some people turn to it. And I always turn to food. And then after um, I got into fitness at one point in my life and I competed. So I was very, very much, I was very all or nothing. I was very, you know, I'm full speed ahead. Or I'm, or I'm not doing, I'm very all or nothing. I was very all or nothing. And I got into fitness and me being my all or nothing characteristic, I then decided to compete in um, the bikini category. So like in bikini um, bodybuilding. And um, as you'll probably know that the, or can imagine that the, the food is very, very strict and the eating is very strict. And not only does it play, it's a really, really, really strict, hard process, really hard. And people don't underestimate how tough it is mentally and physically. And then after this process, wow, the aftermath was just incredible. And uh, my body just responded to food. It just responded to food. And I think 
my body was using food as a coping strategy it was using food um to probably deal with a lot of things that had been buried deep yeah so you weren't when you when you were competing and bodybuilding yeah. um you, you were you, were you binge eating at that time or were you pretty disciplined so what happened was so the first time so what happened when you do bodybuilding i don't know if it's the same in america but we have like the qualifier so we have the qualifying event and then we go through to the final and what happened was i went through and got placed in the in the qualifier so i got placed and um, i then got placed in the final so the british final and what happens is there's generally a gap between the date obviously of the qualifying event so say for example september and then the final say could be in i don't know october november so there's a gap in between both now i'll always remember my coach saying to me on my qualifier uh, now just go eat whatever you want and i was almost like oh my god really oh my god really and i was just like a caged animal literally i was like a caged animal it was like i'd never seen food before i'd never had sugar before i'd never had cakes before and bear in mind this was a long time coming anyway so i i, I always had a really poor relationship with myself and food so then when he said this to me it was almost like my permission slip to go right okay that is it i can just eat everything and from the qualifier to the final obviously I was just binging in between. I was just, I, I kept, I kept trying to go back on my prep and my diet. And I just, I was just in this cycle. I was just in this cycle and I was in that cycle straight away. So by the time I got to the final, I was already in it. I was already quite deep in it. What does, what does binge eating look like um, for, for those of us that, that aren't real um, familiar with that? that term yeah, yeah 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 i get that so you i suppose there's different i don't want to say different severities but there's different so when we turn to food um there is probably different you know stages and levels of what we can how we can eat so when we look at like emotional eating so you know, some emotional eating is absolutely normal. Some of it's, you know, comfort eating and it can be normal. So it can be normal. And then when does that start to become a problem? So it starts to become a problem when the emotions that we felt before we ate are 10 times or, you know, a lot worse after we finished eating. So that's when it starts to become a problem. And it's also starts to become a problem when we binge eat. And like you said, what does binge eating look like? Now, binge eating can look like um, eating thousands and thousands of calories, generally in quite a short space of time. So it's generally in between like one or two hours. Um, and it's eating at such speed and intensity that People can even class it as they're going like a, 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 you know, like a dream state or like a, um, they can kind of turn out. It, they can go in like a state, like a frenzy. Um, and it, binge eating is eating at speed, intensity, and like zoning out. And then also after you binge eat, you generally get overwhelming feelings of guilt, shame, self-loathing, disgust, and 
really intense feelings, really intense feelings. Is there, is, does it, is there periods of um, not eating that follows that? So like if, if you have a night where you binge or a day that you binge and, and then those emotions kick in, do you then try to overcompensate the other direction and, and then force yourself not to eat for a period of time? Yeah, definitely. So again, and I'm not saying all the time, but I I really want to say most of the time. So generally what happens is when somebody has either binge it or they have, you know, binged or whatever you want to call it the night before, because it generally happens on a night or late afternoon or early evening, on an evening, it generally happens on an evening. And then what tends to happen is the next day you're like, right, that's it. I'm going to be good. I'm really good. I'm not going to have any food for a while. I feel bloated. I feel sick. I feel disgusted. I need to get them them calories out of me. And you get kind of obsessed. I've got to get these calories out of me, what I've eaten the night before. And it's a really like obsessive cycle that you've then been in because then you then restrict yourself from eating food because you know you've eaten way too much the night before. You want to get these calories out of your body. And what happened with me is I then... So with bulimia, there's different forms. Obviously, you can make yourself sick and then you can also um, take laxatives. So it's it's getting, getting it out of your body. And what I used to do is I used to take, drink lots and lots and lots of laxatives because for me, I wanted it out of my body quick. I wanted it out of my body. Um, and I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with getting the food out of my body. So yes, you then go on this restriction. I can't eat. I need to like correct what I've done, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And I think I've had moments of that, um, especially as I think back to high school when I I wrestled. Um, I I was always a bigger kid. I've always been a bigger guy. Uh, But, you know, when you wrestle, you have to make a certain weight. You have to be at a certain weight to in order to have your match. So I would always be over and then I would spend an hour <laughs> running around, uh, you know, a hot hot sauna in a, in a sweatsuit just to try to lose the water weight to uh, get down to weight to wrestle. And it was kind of like that. I can remember that a little bit during those days where I would eat, 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 get really, feel really guilty and ashamed and then basically just either over exercise or, or cut out the eating. Uh, it only seemed to happen to me while I was wrestling, but um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I could totally kind of relate to that on, on some levels. Now, when, when did the binge eating start for you? When, how, when were you, was it before you started competing in, in uh, bikini modeling or? So I would say that the I had binged it before. I definitely binged it before, but the intensity and, um, like I said, the speed, because you can, obviously, the, it, also as well with binge eating, how you can, again, um, how it can happen is it can obviously, the more frequent it happens as well. So prior to me competing, I would, like I said, I'd, I'd always... I'd always been, I had an issue with food and it was very all or nothing. So I'd definitely binged before, 
but the intensity just got so much worse after I'd competed. Um, and the restriction of the of the diets, but I dieted all my life. So there, there'd always been elements of binging, always. But it just got progressively yeah. worse. And with the binging, I know um, you had you had some substance abuse issues in your past as well. Was that prior to the binge eating? Was that during? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the substance abuse, God, I started taking drugs when I was really young. Well, mm. I was quite young. So I was like, well, probably 13, 14, something like that. I can't exactly remember the exact age, but I was around 13, 14, so I was quite young. And um, again, the characteristics, I mean, some of the people I work with and some of the people are, you know, my group and things like that, you know, some people have, again, had substance abuse. So it's like, um, I know that when I was, for a long time, I was trying to bury my head. You know, I didn't like who I was. You know, the substance, the drugs, the alcohol kind of like is an escapism, I suppose. Um, it was ta kind of taking me away from me, if that makes sense. I never wanted yeah. to be me. Yeah. It was always like I wanted to change who I was. And I was never, ever, I always felt like I didn't belong or, you know, I didn't quite fit in or, you know, I just I always felt like a bit of an outcast. And I think that insecurity and that, um, I suppose, self-doubt and being insecure and, and feeling not very confident in myself kind of led me to the drugs and the alcohol. Um, but that happened before. So my kind of drugs and alcohol life was, kind of my early early stages of my life I'd say and then um the binge eating and the fitness was after that so I kind of sw switched one addiction for another if that makes right. sense and what do you think um as you as you look back even prior to um when when you started uh, partaking with drugs and alcohol I mean what mm -hmm. was there any one moment in your life or uh, a series of moments in your life as a young child that you've identified as being causing you not to feel comfortable in your own skin or, you know, not liking who you become? Honestly, I mean, you know, my, my mom and dad are both great. Um, I do, I do think that every child is different and I do think that every experience and every memory and, you know, can be taken very differently by you know different different children and I think that you know even a criticism that's you know a joke that's maybe taken as a criticism or you know a parent who wants the best for them but unfortunately it comes across quite critical right. all those things can you know affect the way we see ourselves you know like you've heard on the tv you know you hear something enough you start to believe it and even if somebody's got the best intention for you, but that child is either taking it as a criticism or they're not feeling good enough or they're not good enough as they are, who they are, I think all these different um, memories and experiences with loved ones can, can impact how we feel about ourselves. And this is completely on an unconscious level. Right. So this is completely unconscious to anybody. Nobody's going to purposely do that to a child. Um, 
especially if you're in a, in a loving family, they, they don't intentionally do that. Um, but I do think that everybody, especially children, you know, they take things very, very... One child can be absolutely fine with one comment and another child can be devastated. Right. And it's how it impacts is our body, I think. So you would say yeah. that your childhood was pretty, for the most part, you, you felt it was a loving environment, uh, just maybe a little critical at times uh, with your perception. But I mean, the love and and the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The acceptance from your parents and, and grandparents and all that, that was, that was all attached uh, or attached for you. But for whatever reason, emotionally you you would take some interpretations maybe as criticisms or yeah i mean i do honestly i do i mean i don't well like i absolutely love my mom and my dad i love them both very very much um but mom always wanted the best for me and she always wanted me to be she wanted me to be her idea of perfect and unfortunately um sometimes that could come across quite critical you know it could come across quite critical and but i do think that every parent does that to, to some degree yeah well and i think that's an important important point to bring up because you know some people grow up in in really dysfunctional toxic environments and then you could look back at their at their childhood and say oh well okay you know, dad was a substance abuser. Oh, mom was, um, you know, an absentee parent or whatever the case may be. And you can say, I can see, you know, there's the, you know, the lack of love guidance, um, teaching, you know, that, that wasn't so you, for, for me, and for instance, you know, in my teenage years, I, I started seeking validation from others, which led to drugs, criminal activities, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, but, that's not always the case for everyone who who may battle an addiction, whether it be substance abuse or food or, you know, pornography, whatever the case may be. Um, mm -hmm. It is very much possible that you can grow up in a loving family and still experience these these addictions in your life. Absolutely, and but I also do believe that I also do believe that regardless of. I was brought up in a very loving, you know, I was in a very good environment, but I do believe that whatever our parents are going through, so when, especially when we're in the room, and this might be going a little bit woo-woo, but I do believe that whatever our parents or our mum's going through when we are in the womb, that can get transferred to the baby. So if, for example, if the parent or the mother has a lot of stress and anxiety, yeah, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be, you know, all these abuse, it could be all these different things. But stress and anxiety still responds in the same way. And to that baby, they will feel all of that. So when the baby comes out, obviously, it's already feeling stress and anxiety, anxious. It's already feeling those, those feelings of, you know, what it's like to feel stressed, what it's like to feel anxious. And then the baby gets held by the mother, and guess what? She feels anxious again. So it just transmits that anxiety and that that feeling of anxious to the baby, and I yeah, do that's, believe that's yeah. That's a great that's a great concept that I had not really thought about in mm -hmm. in the past. Um, but yeah, it would make sense. I mean, you know, we we are all balls of energy, right? And and, and yeah. you know that energy could be all over the spectrum. Uh, so it would make a lot of sense to to 
to think if your if if your parent was going through some struggles, um, or your mother more specifically was going through some struggles while carrying a baby, um, you know, it makes sense that that baby is going to feel it. that internally. Yeah. But yeah. let's talk about food as an addiction for a little bit, because um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different eating disorders. Um, you know, I know at least in the United States, you know, we have a, a real, um, for many years now, I've had a pretty severe ob obesity rate. Mm -hmm. um, everything has gotten bigger, you know, and because I, I was thinking about this actually not too long ago where there was a day that you would, you know, maybe you would go out to eat. Let's just pick on McDonald's because they're one of the biggest and most popular, but you would go there and get a meal and it would be a, you know, maybe a reasonable size meal and you'd get like a, you know, maybe a small beverage uh, soda, but now you go and it's like, they're throwing really bad food at you at a very cheap price. Like they've got their mm -hmm. dollar menu and it's like, Oh, and by the way, you can get a 32 ounce soda for a buck as well. So everything is like, getting bigger and bigger. So the consumption is more and more. And I mean, if you, if you already suffer from, you know, like I've been a big eater most of my life. And so I have to be very intentional about that. Um, but with food addiction in, in the line of work that you're in, what, I mean, what do you see, you know, are there any trends? Are there any, um, any certain criterias that, that you see in, in the people that you help coach? Yeah, quite. there is. There really, really, really is. And um, I hear quite a lot as well about um, people saying, how can I distract from food? How can I distract from food? I mean, the, we'll get to the criteria, you know, the characteristics in a minute. But when you were saying about, like, obviously people eating quite a lot and people being being you know, big eaters. And then people ask me, how can I distract from food? And honestly, the thing is, food is the distraction. Food is the distraction. It's the distraction from a lot of different things. It's a lot of, uh, it's a distraction from how we are truly feeling. So food, if you think about food, it gives us that momentary, you know, it gives us that, that good feeling momentarily. And it releases like dopamine in the brain. So it releases like that, that, you know, reward chemical. It gives us that good feeling. So we are turning to food generally because we are trying to distract from how we really feel. Now, the characteristics that I can see in people, generally they can be, you know, quite highly stressed, you know, very anxious highly anxious um i read a study the other day and it was saying i think it was about 80 percent of people who um have been eating disorder generally have um anxiety as well so anxiety disorder um so quite often anxiety is very high it's very it's very common and like i said quite often as well people have had substance abuse, not always, but some people have had substance abuse as well. And the food tends to come after it. So it's like, you have to, yeah. similar to me, have the substance abuse, then I swap the substance abuse for fitness, fitness obsession. And then once obviously, um, obviously the competition and everything finished, it came, all came out with food. So it was like 
everything that had been buried in, buried deep from, you know, the substance abuse, you know, I was physically abused, I had my arm broke, I had my, my cheekbones, you know, I had my face smashed in, you know, I, there was a lot that went on during that time. So everything that I was burying deep came out in food because I wasn't taking drugs, I wasn't taking alcohol, I wasn't um, turning to anything else, I was having to be me. I was having to face me, you know, and having to face my deep, deepest, darkest parts of me. And that's when it came out in food. You talked a little bit there about physical abuse. Was this, um, and it sounds like this occurred in your adult years. Uh, yeah. Was this, you know, just a, an abusive relationship or was it along those lines of, of where the abuse occurred? So, unfortunately, when you generally are in um, the drugs and, um, drugs and alcohol lifestyle, what tends to happen is obviously you know you mix with people who are also in that lifestyle and yeah. you know you're chasing whatever you're chasing you're chasing the drugs you're chasing the alcohol you're chasing you know you're mixing with these people that obviously do who are in the same situation now everybody's dealing with their own things everybody's dealing with their own demons and unfortunately you know um what can happen is yeah i mean i was in several relationships um some very um psychologically abusive but then also there was very very physical as well um and yeah i just think that and i also do believe is how you feel about yourself that's what you attract so my self-worth was really really low you know i just i didn't like myself like i said to you even as a teenager even as a young child i didn't like myself so when i was already in the thick of the drugs the alcohol i was chasing this i was chasing this my self-worth was probably at an all-time low and you know i was attracting people who didn't work who didn't value me i was attracting people who didn't think i was worth anything you know it is that mirror image of how you feel about yourself you're going to attract yeah and that self-worth is I, I mean you know i think at the root of a lot of the bad things that we experience in our life whether it be addiction depression illness i mean a lot of it that i in my experience starts you know you can trace it back to a point in time where uh, your image of yourself something caused that image to shift into a different direction because we're not born like that you know we, no. we're not we, we're born just curious and loving life in the world and wanting to explore everything and then somewhere along the lines um our mindset gets warped or skewed so self-love is is i know i suffered from it took me you know 40 some odd years to figure figure out that was the the problem, a lot of the problem behind what I was took doing. Me a while. What's that? It took me a while too. Yeah, it, it I think it takes us all a while. Um, because when you're talking about being, you know, whether, well, in this instance, talking about like food addiction, it's so easy to turn to food because you, like you said, it gives you that, that momentary pop of dopamine. So you feel really good, but then you feel terrible about it afterwards. Cause you're like, I shouldn't have ate that. I know better than that. Um, with let's talk about self worth a little bit. So when you uh, when you work with somebody, 
where do you start? I mean, what is like the the starting point for recovery? So, firstly, can I just say a minute ago to your last thing what you were just saying? Sure. Yeah. Um, what I also want to say to you as well is like you were saying, like when we're saying about food, the thing with food is we can't live without it. That is the most. That is that is the thing that is the difference between any other type of addiction. We cannot live without it. So it's not like drugs. It's not like alcohol. It's not like um, you know whatever these other things are. Gambling. You know, food we can't live without, and this is why it's so difficult, and this is why it's like taunting. It's really like it feels like it's taunting. It's like oh my god. Um, and sorry, what did you say? So with where do I start with? Yeah, so somebody somebody comes to you um, f- for help to kind of get get their their diets, their health under control, and, mm-hmm. and if it is a situation where um, you know th- there's that self love element, how do you approach that with someone you know who doesn't? You, here you got somebody that that really is overly critical about themselves and and not forgiving mm-hmm. themselves for the mistakes they made. For you, where where do you start with someone? So for me, nearly everybody comes to me like that. Everybody comes to me like that. Everybody comes to me like that. (laughs) My programs are not about dieting. So when people come to me about, you know, they can come to me, but I make it very clear. This is my programs are not about weight loss. My programs are are getting a healthy relationship with themselves and food. So what will happen naturally? What will happen naturally is when they stop binging and they stop emotionally eating, then what will happen is their their body should find the right baseline or where they should be at naturally. So when they stop turning to food and they stop binging, that's when um, they should naturally settle to the right way they should be. So that's and then when somebody has very you know most people like I said most people feel like that most people who are emotionally eating or binging um they feel that way so we start really really gentle you know we allow them to get you know the things in their thought out because a lot of people keep these things in the thought in the thought processes and we do some really deep therapies so i do some really deep therapies with them that allows them to change their beliefs about how they feel about themselves because like you said, quite often there is an event. There's either either event an event when we're very young. There's either a memory, something we've heard, something we've seen, you know, or something that's impacted how we feel about ourselves. And generally, what happens is that really young memory or event, whatever's happened, can then tailor and that pattern and that belief will continue through the rest of our life right so if for example i'll give you an example if when you was very very young somebody left you and this is just an example somebody left you say for example your father left you mm-hmm. that could create a, a trauma inside that child's body everybody leaves me so that belief is there everybody leaves me everybody leaves me and then what generally might happen not all the time but quite often throughout their life they'll see a pattern of people leaving them so i work with going back to those memories, going really deep into the subconscious and changing how that belief affects them. So we we can't change the memory, but we can certainly change um, how they see that memory 
and how that because it gets stuck within the system so i really work with unsticking them beliefs and changing how they feel about themselves and it's a really gradual process so it's a real gradual process bear in mind that people have felt like that about themselves for years so it's a real i work real gradual step by step really gently with people you know with their conscious behaviors with their subconscious beliefs and values and then i guide them to food freedom which is similar to like intuitive eating but we do it really gently and i also get people to work on um things that they can do themselves to help themselves um along this process as well to help themselves do you have an opinion on um, fad diets, uh, diet pills? I'm thinking I know the answer, but do you have an opinion on, you know, like keto and uh, yeah. Atkins or whatever the, the new flavor of the month is? Yeah, don't do them. <laughs> do not do them. Yeah. That's it. And the, and the diet Honestly, pills... Eh? leave them alone too the diet pills you leave those alone too nothing. do not do anything yeah. because ultimately you know and again i don't really want to go down that diet um industry and, and but ultimately right. we don't need any of these things you know we just need to be in tune with ourselves, what our body needs and obviously how we respond to food so the thing that we need to work on is not the food it's not the food itself and people really kind of blame the food they think food is the enemy food is not the enemy it's how we are responding to the food so that's what we need to work on we need to work on what is going on inside of us that's making us respond because you've got to think about it right in this way it's just our mind and our body choosing food as a coping strategy. That's yeah, all it is. Yeah. Our mind and body has just said, right, okay, that's my coping strategy. But whatever I'm dealing with, food is my food is the thing that I've chosen. Instead of either drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, whatever it wants to choose. So the diets and the pills will not help. Will not help. And I would imagine they would probably almost fit, make you feel worse than worse in the long run because you know here you struggle through a diet or you spend all this money on pills and maybe you see a little bit of weight loss, but then ultimately there's going to come a day where you're going to be off of that diet or you're going to stop buying those pills and that emotional yeah. attachment is still there, so <laughs> you're going to yeah. ultimately end up gaining the weight back and probably feeling worse than what you did before yeah um and like you said so like and what tends to happen is yes we can lose a little bit at the very beginning right but yeah. then what happens like you said what happens when we come off the diet or the pills is we tend to put the weight back on and more and then we think right okay i'm gonna go on a diet so Bear in mind, we've started off here. I'm going to use my hand. Started off here. We lose a little bit, then put a little bit, bit back on. And then what happens again is we lose a little bit, put a little bit back on. Lose a little bit, put a little bit back on. So by the time we're here, we actually wished we was at this weight when we started. And it's right. <laughs> you know, 
what was all that self-sabotaging for? You know, yeah, we just, when we look, most people who I work with, especially, if I said to them, look back at how they was physically, because a lot of people focus on physical appearance, look at how they was physically when they first started a diet, would they like to be back there now? And everybody says, oh my goodness me, yes. When I look yeah. back, I was super slim or, oh my God, I looked hot or, oh my God, you know, like there was nothing wrong with me. Most people say that. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, your coaching, uh, any, your website, books. Any what, what resources do you have out there um, if someone is hearing this and they're interested in either learning more about you or even working with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have my web, website, which is called beatthebinge.com. So beat, beat slash the binge. Uh, sorry, that went a bit wrong. But beat the binge. So um, I think you, I think you've got a link anyway, haven't you? Yep, I'll leave the yeah. link yeah. down below. Yeah. So I, I do private one-to-one coaching. So I do private one-to-one coaching. Um, that can be either four-month or a six-month coaching period. Um, I also have um, a membership, which I've just recently launched, to be fair. So it's a, it's, um, a really great place for someone to start um, if they're a little bit nervous. Um, but again, it depends on what they want, because with the membership, it's self-study. So you have to be dedicated yourself to do it. And nine times out of ten, what will happen is you'll have that, you know, little voice in your head that will say to you, no, 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 this is wrong. I need to go back on my diet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but the membership is fantastic. Um, that's a 12-month membership. It's a low ticket. Um, you do get support from me, obviously, as well. So um, you just don't get the subconscious therapies. Okay. And your your one on one coaching, I'm I'm imagining you, it, it's fully remote as well. I mean, anybody from anywhere in the world could could work with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I work with most people uh, South America. Work with people all different parts of the world. Um, and with my one to one coaching, which I tend to do, and I don't know how many others offer this, is I offer intense support as well. So people get daily support. Um, as well as the the deep therapies, they get daily support. Um, and the reason I do that is because I know in my own recovery, I saw somebody once every two weeks, and I just needed that support in between in between those times, in between those appointments. And I know how it feels, so I really wanted to support people fully and to the best of my ability as well. And then how about social media? Are you on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any of those? So I have um, a Facebook group called How to Stop Emotionally Eating. So I have a group. Um, I have a Facebook page, business page called um, Beat the Binge. But I think, again, you probably find me under Tanya Danielle, maybe, Beat the Binge. And my Insta is Beat the Binge as well. All right. Well, very good. Well, so, and I'll I'll make sure I have all those links available for anybody that's either watching this stream or listening to the podcast. Uh, the, those links will be available. But it's I really do appreciate you coming on the show. This is a topic where you know when I when I heard uh, or read of your story, 
you know, it hit kind of home with me because, you know, food is a comfort for me. I, you know, I, I guess I don't really subscribe to the, to the diets and, and I, and I don't really binge eat, but I overeat. So it was, I was like, you know, this, this is something that I don't think it's enough attention or really is talked about enough because over the years, I can't think of too many times where other than a doctor telling me to go on a diet, I, there's not a whole lot of education out there about, about eating, unless you just happen to get in with the right person or the right group and, and you really have that support. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah. thank you for coming on the show. And I always finish, uh, finish these conversations with one last question. And, and, and that is, I'm, I'm going to, go out on a limb and say somebody's either watching this stream or they're listening to this podcast and this episode is really resonating with them. They've they're they've got an unhealthy relationship with food or maybe they even have an unhealthy relationship with drugs or alcohol. Um, but they're struggling right now and and they just really need to hear a word of inspiration. So as we close out today's conversation, what would you offer to that person that's listening right now? What would be your your final, uh, well, I hate to say word, uh, um, parting words because there, this could be the start of a whole new relationship anyways, but what yeah. would you leave them with for this episode? Oh, do you know what? Honestly, this is such a great question. So for me, I just want everybody to know, everybody to know that, what they are going through right now so their biggest challenges that they are going through could actually be their biggest blessing and and i know people will be like, what are you talking about what are you talking about you know they're really struggling and they're really battling right now but i can honestly tell you my biggest battles have been my absolute blessings they have made me who i am today they have you know brought me to my business that brought me to helping people I, you know i want to kind of get it out to the world that like you you know whatever you come from where whatever background you come from whatever drugs alcohol you know like you said porn whatever you are doing do not let that you know do not do not doubt yourself because it could be the making of you it absolutely could be the making of you you can help other people who are also going through what you're going through right now so you never know where this is going to lead you. Even though it's hard right now, you never know where this is going to lead you. You really do. And those are great words. And there's so much truth to that because, um, yeah, so, so many great things have come out of seasons of darkness and, and struggles. So, yeah, uh, once once again, I appreciate you being on the show. Hang tight. I'm going to we're going to have a little chat off the air, but um uh, thanks again. And everybody that's watching watching or listening, make sure you check out those links. If uh, any of this has resonated with you today, I will have them all available. And uh, otherwise, you can reach out to me and I can get you in contact. So I guess with that, I'm going to say hang tight, but we'll talk again. But uh, bye for now. Thank you for having me. Bye for now. There you go. There you have it. My conversation with Tanya Danielle. If you or someone you know is struggling with food is struggling with a with an eating disorder then be sure you check out the link in the description below go check out tanya's uh, various websites and resources reach out and connect with her she's been through it 
she knows what it takes to overcome. So, you know, you don't have to struggle. You don't have to struggle alone. You don't have to struggle at all. Sometimes you just need somebody in your corner pointing you in the right direction. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode, uh, listening to this episode as much as I have enjoyed bringing it to you. Be sure you, if you haven't already, follow this podcast. Do me a favor, share it out on social media and let folks know that we're out here. And until next time, this is Brian telling you to aim high, be courageous, and go do amazing things.